gonna be just like senior year, except for funner. Hey, I'm Kendra. Hi, I'm Mercedes, and this week we're talking about one of the most iconic, modernized Shakespearean tales, 10 Things I Hate About You. But first, but first, but first, we gotta kick it off with our celebrity crush of the week. Mercedes, who are you crushing on this week? Oh my goodness. So, people, <laughs> listeners out there who know me in real life are probably shocked that I haven't named this person before. But it's just because it's bigger than life. This isn't even a crush. <laughs> Harry Styles, everyone. Oh my gosh. Harry Styles. <laughs> I'm surprised you haven't named him yet. (laughs) The capacity to which I adore this man is so far from any crush. Like, Mm. he is just locked in in my heart and has been there for over a decade. It's truly just been like a wild ride loving him for all Mm -hmm. these years. And I stayed up till 2 a.m. watching his Coachella performance the other day. I was about to say. I I cried three times. Like, I'm not kidding. (laughs) Where can I watch it aside from all of my friends' Instagram stories? It's on YouTube. It's all on YouTube. Okay. Okay. It was was amazing. I, like, have other very people who like love to tweet like live tweets so I was like reading the live tweets I'm texting my friends ferociously during it just like live texting them it was oh my god that's so cool oh my gosh okay so I'm gonna watch it because I saw so like I said I saw some clips from my friends stories of Coachella this weekend and yeah it looked fire like his performance it looks so good but I also know that he's just like an iconic performer anyways yeah he's like (laughs) larger than life now like Coachella really put it into perspective where I was like oh this man is so far above even just like a pop star like this mm-hmm. is something way bigger and yeah i'm just so been, proud i've been around for like he's all getting into it. acting too like that's <laughs> a whole thing so yeah i'm i'm excited <laughs> okay okay my crush so this week i have been watching the teen drama cruel summer uh because i'm going to be moderating a panel with the cast and crew tonight actually i've been watching it to familiar myself with it and one of the characters is Freud guterres uh it, or it's played by Freud guterres and he's okay. just so adorable he just has this nose and all of his freckles are like packed onto his nose and it's so cute i don't know why i think that's absolutely adorable that he just says i i find freckles very endearing definitely Definitely. (laughs) yeah and i just thought it was so cute he just has all his and he's very he's very cute because he looks like a he kind of looks like a basic white boy but he's latinx so (laughs) and he has this whole thing where he's like talking to his mom in spanish and i was like oh hello Oh, I love that. I love that. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's a little young for me, though. I think he's six years younger than me. So that's not that bad. Still in the 20s, as long as yeah. it's still in the 20s. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh, we're not going there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think he's absolutely adorable. <laughs> I know. Okay, guys, we're going to move into the TLDR. We just like to recap the movie for anyone who hasn't seen it. Just a heads up, there are spoilers. And if you haven't seen 10 Things I Hate About You, uh, apparently you can stream it on Disney+. Plus. I did not know that. So <laughs> it's available on Disney Plus to stream. Take it away, Mercedes. Yes. So this movie begins on Joseph Gordon-Levitt's character Cameron James as the newest Padua High School student. And he instantly falls in love with the popular girl Bianca Stratford, played by Larissa Olenek. He's warned by his new geeky bestie Michael, played by David Krumholtz, that Bianca is conceited, plus her and her sister, aka the shrew, Kate Stratford, played by Julia Stiles. There's a lot of characters here that I gotta introduce them. <laughs> Lots. They're not allowed to date because of their strict dad. And Kat and Bianca are total opposites. So when their dad changes the rule to Bianca can date when Kat can, now it feels like even more impossible for Bianca. She can't date the school's most popular boy, Joey Donner, played by Andrew Keegan. 
It all feels impossible. Her social life feels like it's crumbling. And when Cameron asks Bianca out, she informs him of the new rule, but he begins to search for a guy to ask out Kat. And he chooses the bad boy of school, Patrick Verona, played by the Heath Ledger. But out of fear, he and Michael actually convince Joey, the cool boy, to pay Patrick to date Kat so he can date Bianca. So they really use him in this little pawn. Mm -hmm. And so this dating game is off to a tough start because Kat just completely rejects any of Patrick's advances. Like, so just not trusting of anybody, so over it. But with the help of Cameron and Michael, they get some inside scoop on her likes or dislikes what music you know like any books she likes stuff like that and Patrick finally begins to warm Kat up and win her interest and they actually go to a party together which means Bianca can tag along that's where Bianca kind of realizes that she likes Cameron a lot more than Joey and that's the first time that that shifts in her mind a little bit and the two actually share a kiss on the car ride home which is so sweet (laughs) but all the while that's happening Patrick is taking care of a drunk cat and the two share some sweet moments too but then Patrick rejects Kat's kiss and it leaves her so upset and that's when things get a little tricky again but back at school Joey offers Patrick more money so that he can take Bianca to prom if he takes Kat to prom and Patrick feels conflicted because he really kind of likes Kat now but he finally takes the money and Kat's still angry with him but he apologizes with the best grand gesture ever a sing and dance performance down the bleachers during her soccer practice it's so sweet and then it cut to prom Kat learns about Joey paying Patrick to date her and just walks out of prom while Bianca discovers that Joey only wanted to date her to have sex with her and he she punches him in the middle of the dance floor and it's so fulfilling to see oh my god but after prom Bianca's happily dating Cameron plus she and Kat are finally on good terms with their dad finally and at school Kat's English assignment is to write her own version of William Shakespeare's sonnet 141. And Kat reads aloud the poem. Patrick is in her class, so he's seeing this whole thing. And the poem is famously titled, 10 Things I Hate About You. And in the poem, she just reveals that she still loves Patrick. She's crying. And Patrick afterwards surprises her with the guitar that she wants that he bought with the money from Joey. And he confesses that he's fallen for her too. And all is forgiven. And they reunite in love. Ah, I love this movie. I I do too. <laughs> this was a 1999 <laughs> film written by Karen McCullough and Kirsten Smith, who also wrote our very first episode of this podcast, Legally yes. Blonde. They also wrote The House Bunny and The Ugly Truth. And I just have a feeling we're going to be talking about them a lot more in the future. Icons. 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 This movie was also directed by Gil Junger, uh, who also did the TV series version of this movie. He also directed Beauty in the Briefcase with Hilary Duff. And then he gets a special shout out because he directed four episodes of one of my favorite shows, Greek. And that show seriously changed my life. I loved Greek. I picked a school that had a Greek life because I want to be Casey Cartwright. I wanted to like drive a red Prius. I want to be the the president of my sorority, like all of that. And that was because of Greek. So Casey and Kathy forever. Forever. Yes, (laughs) Kathy. All right. It's so funny, too, because Kat's assignment is to like write her own version of the Shakespeare sonnet. And... The reason the movie is called 10 Things I Hate About You is because uh, one of the writers was dating someone in high school and she just like wasn't happy. I think it was Kirsten who was the writer and she just wasn't happy with him. And so she made a list about 10 things that or like things that she hated about him. And so when they were writing the script, she was going through all of her old high school diaries to kind of dig up that high school angst. And she found the list and she read it to Karen and 
she was like, wait, that's the title of our of our movie. Oh, like we're we're titling gosh. it Ten Things I Hate About You. So <laughs> that's how they I got the title. <laughs> that's the lesson. Never throw away any of those old journals that you kept because there's yep. gold in there. There's gold in there for later. Yep. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Another really cool fact is that the school they filmed at isn't actually in Seattle. My friend who is lives born and raised in Seattle loves to tell me because this is one of her favorite movies. She's like, mm-hmm. you know, the school's not actually in Seattle every time. <laughs> the whole time I've done her anytime I bring up the movie. But all the other other locations are actually filmed in Seattle, like the park where they play paintball or like the Fremont Troll. Like those are actually right in the city. So I love that this is like an ode to the city. Mm-hmm. And it's just so special to see. I don't know. Like I love when a city plays a character in a film. And that's what happens here. As someone who was also born and raised in Washington State, I found yes. it so funny. This whole movie, they're wearing like sundresses and flip flops and tank tops. And I'm like... <laughs> You get to do that for like two weeks out of the year in Washington because it's so yeah. rainy. There is no raincoat in sight. No umbrella, yeah. nothing. Yeah, it was like summer all the time. And I was like, that's not, people know that's not Washington, right? Like, <laughs> we are we are the wettest place in the continental U.S. <laughs> but that's neither here nor there. Something else, first of all, rest in peace, Heath Ledger. Like, it was hard watching this movie because I just miss him so much. This was his first American movie, and he beat out some of the heartthrobs at the time, like Josh Hartnett and Ashton Kutcher for this role. So, oh my was, God. yeah, that's why he kept his Australian accent, too, because it was like... It would have been very- such a different movie mm. with, like, Josh Hartnett. Imagine a completely oh, yeah. different movie. Oh, even with Ashton Kutcher, it would have been a completely mm-hmm. different movie. So <laughs> Without that Australian accent, I don't know if I could. <laughs> it does. It does wonders. <laughs> yeah. Something I really love about this movie is how great the camera work is. Like, mm-hmm. on the big shots of Seattle, but also one-on-one moments between characters. Because you see the other characters in the background. Mm-hmm. So it feels like actual high school. Like, it feels like you're getting such a real-world shot of their experience there. Because you're seeing them in the background. You hear their little, like, side conversations, even though it's focused on other people in that scene. Like, you get mm-hmm. their little intel in, just in their own little worlds. And that's so high school, you know? Because you are so in your bubble that you're like, no one else is seeing me right now, but actually everyone is. Yeah, I know. I know. Exactly. <laughs> It's so interesting, too, because one of the storylines in this movie is the fact that Cameron is learning French for Bianca to be her tutor. When in real life, JGL is fluent in French. And I don't know if you've ever heard him speak French, but my goodness, why am I pregnant? (laughs) Oh my gosh, I need to look that up. Yeah. Just just YouTube, Joseph Gordon-Levitt speaking French. And then what will happen is a playlist will happen of, like, other famous actors speaking French. So you can see Bradley Cooper. You can see Timothy Chalamet. And, I love oh my gosh. Timothy Chalamet. Oh I my know. God. When, oh. <laughs> when he speaks French, I'm like, wow. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But the same thing with JGL. Like, he's just, I love it. I love Amazing. it. So Amazing. I can't wait to search that later. Oh, my goodness. So you mentioned this a little before, but this movie spawned the TV show 10 Things I Hate About You. Shout out Nicholas Braun as Cameron, a baby cousin Greg. Yes. <laughs> so good. I definitely shamelessly watched the whole season before it was canceled. And then it also spawned a book because this is an adaptation of a Shakespeare book so or a Shakespeare play. So then this is a book about a movie about a book, which is amazing <laughs> to me. And I just, it gets so meta that you're like, whoa, okay. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, it's cool. It's a modern day taming of the shrew. Yeah. Got a little bit of Shakespeare there. All right, guys, we're going to move over to Time Capsule. We're just, we just like to recall where we were when this movie came out, which it was 1999. So how old were you, Mercedes? Three, I think. Yeah, at this point, because this was like spring. Yeah, I was three. You how were three, three years old. 
I was seven. I was still watching Disney movies. So this was the thing about my childhood when it comes to film, because as you know, I studied film in college. And the reason I did is because my childhood was so eclectic with movies. So I was seven watching Disney movies, but also watching like Jurassic Park and Titanic. And getting to know these amazing <laughs> directors like James Cameron and Steven Spielberg and, yes. and and Danny Boyle and all these all these people. But I was also like a very young kid liking these like adult movies, but also like getting really excited to watch Nickelodeon and Cartoon oh Network. God. I complete I completely <laughs> relate, Kendra. I completely yeah. relate. Yeah, yeah. I love it. And I'm pretty sure I had a crush on Tarzan in nineteen ninety nine. That was like my How could you <laughs> not? How could you not? Oh my god. I love Tarzan. And also this the music in that movie. I listen to mm. it all the time. Oh, Phil Collins. Yes. <laughs> yes. Do you remember where you were when you watched this movie for the first time? So I don't remember where I was, but I remember I've been watching it for a very long time. My Mm -hmm. mom is named after Kat in Taming of the the Shrew. Um, Really? Yeah. So like we've loved this movie and like I love the story of Taming of the Shrew. Mm -hmm. And I like I said, one of my friends, Sophia, is from Seattle. So when I went to visit her, she took me to all like the iconic spots. So I always think of her. And then I also always think of like high school with this movie because this is a high school movie. But also like I was obsessed with this movie in high school. My friend Sydney and I, we memorized the poem. It was our backgrounds on our on our phones for a long time like he <laughs> loved it and we would just talk about it all the time like I would always just see her on like Tumblr like reblogging it yeah. and like we loved it so I always think of those two when I think of this movie Mercedes, I always think it's so interesting how you have such a personal and deep connection with the movies that we talk about and I'm <laughs> curious if there's one movie for you that just like stands out above all else as the one that you have kind of the deepest connection with. Obviously, we've talked about J-Lo, but I'm curious if there are any other ones. There are so many. I think Still Magnolias is major for me. Mm. And then uh, I think the bef- before trilogy, because I like remember exactly where I was every time I watched one of those. Aww. And those have just like gotten me through times. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> I love that too. I 100% remember where I was because I watched this movie for the very first time this past Sunday. I, I can't cannot believe-, believe it. I cannot believe that either. I thought it was one of those movies like, oh, I've seen enough of the clips to piece it together. No, yeah. the only... The only scene from this movie that I saw before was was Kat reading her list. So the thing is, when I thought that I had seen enough of it to piece it together, I was actually thinking about um, the movie Not Another Teen Movie, which was oh Chris Pratt's movie. Have you? <laughs> yeah. So I I have watched that movie probably more times than any other movie in my life because it was just always on TV growing up, and then it was. always like Comedy Central was always playing that movie, and because it's a parody off of like based off of teen movies, I yeah. I saw the scene where like. You know, he's singing on the on the <laughs> he's singing on the bleachers. There there are other clips. And so that's why I was like, oh, I've seen parts of this movie before, but I really had it. Shout out to Chris Evans and that mm-hmm. banana. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so ashamed, but I'm also happy because I loved this movie. It's so much spicier than I thought it was gonna be. It's so much it's still yeah. very relevant to today. And I loved I loved that. Oh, totally. So. It's hilarious. Like the amount of iconic quotes within even just like the first five minutes, you're like, how are these just like all packed in here? And it flows and it's so, oh, it's so good. Yeah. And something else I love too is like, so David Krumholtz made, uh, or he did an interview where he was talking about why this movie worked so well. 
And it's because everyone on set, they were actual friends because they were all around the same age-ish, right? And it's funny because Heath Ledger, he was set to start filming after the rest of the cast and they were all worried that he was going to like come in and ruin the dynamic. But once he got there, he fit in so perfectly too. And like, they're also friends today. And so I, I really, I really love that because you could, you can sense the chemistry in it, right? It's so much more than just these people telling a story. Like I actually felt like they were friends. They knew each other, like the way that they delivered their lines and how comfortable they felt next to each other it made the whole movie so much better <laughs> yes i always feel like these really ensemble high school movies must feel like almost like summer camp when they go yeah. film them mm-hmm. like you could just feel the bond it's like that high school musical thing where they're like trapped in just like the same vicinity for so long that they just yeah. get so close or camp rock <laughs> oh my god yes it's so camp rock <laughs> all right guys we're gonna move over to the rom-com hall of fame as much as we love this movie mercedes unfortunately we're gonna have to roast it so i'm curious what does it age well for you in this movie okay so for me i always want to roast cat's white feminism but her iconic <laughs> english teacher did that already so i don't need to i uh, that's something i love uh but i will still roast her comically large version of the bell jar that she reads at the beginning of the movie like she's sitting on her couch reading this huge prop <laughs> version of the bell jar and it is so funny because also cut to senior me rereading the bell jar three times so <laughs> relatable but also like it's just so big i'm like how was this like yes this is the book this is a real book like who decided (laughs) it's ginormous okay so i don't know michael uh made this comment about how bianca is wearing like she wears sundresses because she knows no guy can ever touch her and Mm -hmm. just it just gave me very much like she got sexually assaulted because of what she was wearing vibes. And I just really didn't yeah. like that. It was just like a side comment in the very beginning when Cameron first sees Bianca. But it was mm-hmm. it's still just like, oh, it didn't sit well with me. It's those comments that leave me icky, too. Mm-hmm. I feel like Michael is almost like the one who has most of those comments in the movie where you're just like, hold up. Yeah. You old man high school student. Yeah. <laughs> like, like when Cameron says he looks like his uncle, I'm like, he does look like an uncle. And he talks like yeah. the actor, Andrew Keegan, who plays Joey, he didn't know how to draw a penis. And so Michael Krumholtz had to, or sorry, David Krumholtz had to, had to show him. So when he's drawing the penis on his face, that was like David Krumholtz. And I, this movie taught me how to draw a penis. So <laughs> we both learned, me and Andrew Keegan. I learned from super bad. <laughs> uh, another, uh, oh my God, that scene. I'll never forget it. That, I'll never okay. Forget. <laughs> another roast I have is their mm-hmm. prom looks. I wanted to see some cute prom dresses. These are wealthy girls. <laughs> like, you could have afforded something so cute. And then Bianca wears this ill fitting crop top to prom. Yeah. I'm shocked. And she's wearing cute outfits the entire movie from that mm. first cute dress. Like, every single outfit is so cute. And then there she goes to prom in some raggedy thing. I was yeah. so because <laughs> i i'm like i know take this seriously okay you're only doing this a couple times <laughs> well this one so she was a sophomore so she has like oh yeah two so more she years has two more problems she has two more problems to make it up so thank goodness <laughs> like i said before i was really surprised how relevant this movie is because i i really like the relationship between cat and her teacher and i like that he just calls her out on being like an oppressed 
upper middle class white woman. And I was like, hell yeah. I'm like, what are you complaining about, Kat? Yeah. He's such a good character. He calls out mm-hmm. everybody in class. He's like, I don't have patience for any of you. Exactly. Good reason. <laughs> exactly. And we were like, talk- like, we weren't talking about these issues then. And so the fact that even the mm-hmm. writers incorporate that into there. And it's just, it still stands the test of time. I really like that. I it's thought. so clever. And it's so quick-witted, all his comments on everybody. And yeah. they all still adore him. Like, when he's reciting the sonnet, everyone's like, oh, my God. Like, this is amazing. <laughs> and you're like, that's how you know that's a great teacher. Because he's honest with them. And he is going to call them out on their BS, which you need sometimes as a teen. Do you have, like, a, a teacher from... Uh, your childhood that, I don't know, made an impact on you? I have so many. I am the daughter of two educators, so I had, like, such an attachment to all my teachers. Mm -hmm. Like, I only had a few that I disliked, maybe, like, two. But, yeah, I think, like, my English teachers and my history teachers in high school, I was such a humanities person. I was never, like, a STEM, like, science and math were never my favorite subjects. I didn't get close to those teachers. But I was that girl that was, like, so close, like, pouring her heart and soul into, like, all of her English assignments. So, like, I got so close to my English teachers. They were like we know we know you (laughs) oh my gosh I it's so funny because it wasn't until I graduated college that I realized all of our teachers were like in their 20s like that's when they like started in their 20s okay maybe it was just for me so I had a teacher in seventh grade because my English teacher in seventh grade we had them for both seventh and eighth grade so I had them for two years Mr. Michelson shout out to Mr. Michelson but like looking back right now he was like 27 that he was teaching like seven He was a baby. But also I think that's why I thought he was like so cool because he was still like very young. Yeah. And he just, I don't know, he had us do all these like really cool assignments. And I felt like I got really confident in my writing in, in that class because he had us write a lot of essays and I just would always get really good scores on them. And so I feel like I'm a strong writer now and like I I, I write blogs mm-hmm. uh, for like different publications and stuff like that. And I feel like it's all sh- it's all because of Mr. Michaelson. He really helped me with my writing. So Thank it's you. true. <laughs> Those teachers really like rooted us in like what our passions are now. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I exactly. I want to know though, Mercedes, what is your favorite quote from this movie? Because I got it. I got done. Oh. <laughs> there's so many, but I narrowed it down to. Okay. See, there's a difference between like and love. Because I like my Skechers, but I love my Prada backpack. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Let me love it. I love it. it it's funny because, like, I feel like it's Bianca and Gabrielle Union's character that have yes. those iconic lives because mine was... I know you can be overwhelmed and you can be underwhelmed, but can you ever just be whelmed? I think you can in Europe. <laughs> As a traveler, I had to add that in there. It is amazing. And that's in the first five minutes we yeah. hear that line. And you're like, this is the best thing ever. This I know. These are the best people I've ever known. It's a good question. Can you it just is a be good whelmed? question. Can you just be whelmed? But you may be in Europe. And then also, too, just to, like, ground it a bit more, I loved when Patrick is talking to Cameron and he's like, Secondly, don't let anyone ever make you feel like you don't deserve what you want. And I just, I needed, I needed to hear that, Mercedes, because I feel like I've been in Struggle City <laughs> trying to, trying to justify, like, no, I deserve the things that I want, you know? Because mm-hmm. I feel like when, when you want something just big, you're just like, okay, but can I handle it? Do I deserve it? All these things, you just start questioning yourself. And it's like, don't ever let anyone, including yourself, make Mm -hmm. you think that you can't have the things that you want. So, yeah, don't listen to that negative self-talk in your head. You have to tell it's not true. Also, I have to tell you, when I found out that you hadn't watched this immediately, I knew you were going to love that quote. Oh, really? (laughs) And before I rewatched, like last week when we were planning this out and you were like, I've never seen this movie. 
I had this vision of you loving this moment oh. because you're such a <laughs> Joseph Gordon-Levitt fan. And also, like, Keith Ledger is just, like, beyond amazing. And this personal moment where, like, you see this bad boy with this weird reputation that everyone's afraid of him really bond with this sweet, new, precious boy at school. Mm-hmm. And, like, this friendship is budding. And that's what I love. This isn't just a romance. This is also, like, a high school film where you're seeing friendships, you're seeing sisterhood, yeah. and you see all these different elements. And I knew that you would love it because it's just such a gentle brief moment but it's so sweet and yeah i knew you'd catch it oh <laughs> okay so next week then for the podcast we have to for quotability we're going to guess what each other's favorite oh my god <laughs> it's so fun oh god you know you are so right though like this movie has so many sweet moments that so much more than just about like relationships and love is about like self-discovery and confidence and not giving in to peer pressure and I loved all those things because I feel like Kat is almost who I wish I I had been in high school I much rather would have been Kat and have everyone like dislike me because I was like strong in my beliefs and opinions than like have everyone just treat me the way that they did which I got horribly teased and I talk about it all the time so I'm curious said is like if this movie popped up on your tinder feed would you swipe left or would you swipe right I'm swapping right for the rest of my life. I feel like I learned something new in this movie or I notice a new detail every single rewatch and I've seen it mm-hmm. so many times so it shocks me. And now, like this time we were watching, I kept checking the timestamps and like beat by beat this movie hits. And like I mm-hmm. said before, within the first 10 minutes, you're introduced to all the characters in a really well-rounded way. You yeah. are laughing because everyone is, like you see their kooky principal and their like overprotective dad and everyone is just hilarious. And like that's just that just goes to show you that it's like amazing storytelling that they can mm-hmm. do that with it like introduce everybody and you're not overwhelmed by like the amount of characters exactly. you're like yeah this is a high school story but like you said it's aged so well and i just love that it has elements of sisterhood and friendship and romance and like this movie has so much respect for teenage girls which mm-hmm. i mean that's probably like my favorite demographic because i think all of my interests were rooted in like yeah. teen girlhood like cat and bianca are layered characters and their arc is sisters where like they're battling and then they come together and like you see those little moments with them it's so rare to see in a rom-com but it's so important to see especially for younger people you know all these elements are layered into your life it's not just going to be like a love story without friendship and without family within it too you know yeah exactly i really hope cameron bianca lasts forever i'm swiping right as well on this movie forever and always and i'm I'm also really happy that i watched it in like this season of my life as opposed to another season like if i was still in high school or something like that and i just i have to say rom-coms just always they always do it for me the moment that i love the most above all else is when cameron first sees bianca the way that he looks at her like the way that his face falls i am such a sucker for those moments mercedes like i always think about titanic when jack first sees rose and like how his face is just frozen in time i love those moments where you can just see like it was love at first sight and i guess it just kind of reignites my hope that love is something that you never know when it's coming but once it's here it can happen really fast you know it's amazing yeah. i'll never forget cameron reciting the shakespeare line i burn i pine i perish yeah. <laughs> it's so perfect it's so cute i just want to go on like a binge of watching all jgl rom-coms out <laughs> he had such a sweet baby face he like, did it push it i know and his little hair now just like it's parted down the middle like the 90s <laughs> flop the middle parted flop is one of my favorite guy hairstyles like i oh. think guys need to bring it back because it's absolutely so good. 
<laughs> oh, I wish we could have him on the pod. We gotta ha- we gotta get him on like, as a guest. We'll, we'll get him. We're manifesting <laughs> it. We're gonna have GGL on. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm manifesting it with you. Okay, guys, now it's time for couples therapy. Mercedes and I just like to give advice for the characters on how they can improve their relationship. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like with Kat specifically, the kind of crappy thing about love is that you never know when it's going to actually turn into love right from the start. So true. So, you don't know if the other person will see you that way. You don't know if you'll have the same communication styles. You don't know if you'll show affection in the same way. You don't know if you'll even be on the same page, have the same beliefs, have the same opinions. And I feel like that's why love requires a lot of bravery, a lot of just putting your heart out there and seeing what happens. And I understand Kat was hurt and she was hurt badly. And she has the right to be guarded. But I just feel like the best love stories have never sprung from someone being guarded. And I just hope that she learns how to open her heart fully to someone who is deserving. And I hope that she grows in that discernment of knowing who is deserving as well. So that's my advice for Kat. (laughs) I love it. I totally agree with you. I mean, she has so many walls up and for good reason. Like she definitely Mm. expects the worst out of people, especially men and especially high school boys. I mean, they're nightmares. So I completely understand. (laughs) Yeah, my advice for her is really just to like invest real time into Patrick because he keeps proving her himself to her mm-hmm. and even in times where she's felt hurt he comes back and like is still there really to push forward their relationship and I really just applaud that so I just think trust and honesty and vulnerability are like the main things for these two because they are both so guarded like you really don't get any personal anecdotes or, or like any personal stories out of them to like further than halfway through the movie yeah and you're really just like writing on other people's assumptions of them the whole mm-hmm. time and then once they really like break down those walls a little bit you see so much more and like how their connection really is and i love how he can like watch her from across the room like at the concert and he's just like watching her dance and like that's when he's really falling for her when he's like seeing her just like in her element yeah and that's so that's so good because it means that like She's never in the position to change for him to win his affection. She's her full self the whole time, whether we like her or not. Sometimes she's really annoying. And like that's valid (laughs) because all teenagers are annoying. Yep. And like Patrick just never is putting up that ultimatum of change for her or like pressuring her into any type of feeling of, I don't know, inferiority. And I love a makeover scene, but I also know the connotations and the context of a makeover scene is to change. And she never has to go through that. Mm-hmm. And I love that. And I, I love that they don't have to change for each other. They just like each other as is, you know? Mm-hmm. He changes. Absolutely. I mean, he stops smoking, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like my advice for Patrick is a lot more existential because I look mm-hmm. at Patrick and I'm like, I don't think Patrick has ever just sat down and really thought about what it is that he's wanted his whole life. Yeah. And I know, obviously, he's still young. He's in high school. You don't tend to have those thoughts in high school. But just like with everything that he's gone through, just being born and raised in Australia and then like all the things that he went through when he was in Milwaukee taking care of his grandpa and all the rumors that, and just like how people perceive him, you'd think he'd have a little more introspectiveness. And so I just feel like He just goes with the flow and whatever happens, happens. And that may make him a great candidate in love because, right, love is something that you're never expecting or most of the time you're never expecting. Mm -hmm. But I feel like that's he's not the great candidate for creating a long lasting relationship. Mm -hmm. And I think Kat really needs that. And so I just hope that Patrick asks himself those questions like, what is it that he wants both out of life and love? Because it doesn't only impact him, it impacts the person that he's with. 
And you don't want to burn the person that you're with because you haven't taken the time to do the work on yourself. So true. So wise. Everybody <laughs> retweet every day. What do you feel like their love languages are? Oh, my God. Patrick is an acts of service king. Like, I can't even tell you the amount of times I've daydreamed of him singing Can't Take My Eyes Off of You. Like, that performance is so good. And what's amazing about it is it's the perfect grand gesture because it's also an apology. And his personality is shining. He's charismatic, so charming. And it's silly, too. Like, he's so playful up there. So you're really getting a different side of him. And that apology, it doesn't put Kat in this position in public. You know, like, she's not there. Like, he's not on his hands and knees being like, forgive me, forgive me in front of everyone. She would have hated that, you know? Mm -hmm. It's like their own little secret where he knows that she knows it's for her. Yeah. But... It's not like this huge public thing where everyone's like, did you see what Patrick did for Kat? You know, it's Mm -hmm. like it's the perfect little private but public moment. Oh, my God. My cup of tea forever. Like he understands her. He understands me. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But I do think he needs quality time because you can tell like through their time together is when like he's more vulnerable and he's more trusting. Yeah, absolutely. And then, yeah. And with Kat, I think she needs acts of service and quality time. Because she needs someone who's trustworthy and is going to show up for her eldest sister, eldest daughter behavior, just like me. I I totally get it. And Patrick meets her at her level the entire movie, and I just really appreciate that. Um, She never has to drastically change herself for his affection, and she gives words of affirmation. Hello, the sonnet. The sonnet. (laughs) The iconic sonnet. So good. I want to ask you, Mercedes, on your opinion on this. Do you feel like, since rom-coms are movies, do you feel like it's possible to have a rom-com where one of the characters' love languages isn't acts of service? Because I feel like because it's a movie and we're very reliant on the visuals, Mm -hmm. we need one of the characters to have the love language of acts of service to keep the story moving forward. Because you need to see one character doing something for the other. And so I'm curious, is that that actually a necessity in rom-coms? And if there isn't, if you could think of like a rom-com where someone doesn't have the love language acts of service, like what kept the story moving forward if it wasn't one person doing something for the other and vice versa? You know, that's a really good question because we see acts of service a lot and we usually see it in the male leads. Yeah. Um, But I would say, you know, what's one that doesn't have acts of service? Huh. When Harry Met Sally. Like, that's a quality time movie. Ah, okay. And I also think it's little words of affirmation, too, by the end. Mm -hmm. Like, his whole grand gesture is really, like, professing and being really honest with her. But that movie, they did not like each other until they started spending a lot of time together and, like, Mm. were really honest with each other. And, like, it took them years to get to that point to have the patience for one another. Yeah, I think that's a quality time movie. So I think it's rare to see something that's not acts of service. Yeah. But when we do, it's amazing. It is amazing. (laughs) It is. And and I feel like it makes the story that much more unique, right? Because it's not... It's using a different motivation to drive the story forward. And I really totally. appreciate that. With all rom-coms, we've talked about this so many times, like it's formulaic. So the challenge for the writers and the directors of these movies is to make it still so fun and so entertaining despite people knowing the formula. Like to me, I think the form I look at the formula as a more comforting thing. Like I know what I'm going to get out of this and that makes yeah. me feel good. But also I want to see how they're challenging that formula in different ways with the narrative and also how they're going to flourish it and like really embellish it in some ways. And that's how you that's how you get these original stories out of something that isn't that original. (laughs) So with that being said, do you feel like this couple, Patrick and Kat, lasts for five years? No, 
Like, hear me out. They're seniors and they're about to go off to college. She's going all the way to Sarah Lawrence. That's not close. But yes, I don't think you should ever stay with your high school sweetheart the whole time, I guess. I don't know. Like, it's so cute when it happens. And I love hearing those stories, but it's also so rare. So I think like the realist in me is like, no, maybe come back together during like fall break, winter break, summer vacation. I think they're that type of couple. Like, they're the couple to be like, I'm in town for a month for winter break. Do you want to hang out? You know, like, and then they would start, like, dating again. Like, they would rekindle everything once they're back in town again. Yeah, I agree. I think Kat is going to go through a lot of growth at college. A lot mm-hmm. of growth. And she needs it. And I think she's going to blossom, but she is going to change a lot. And I think the person that she changes into, I don't know if they would be interested in Patrick. Because I'll be honest, I don't know if I necessarily see Patrick even going to college in the first place. Yeah. I think he'd be the type to, like, stay in town get a local job, figure it out. Whatever happens to him in life happens. And I feel like Kat is going to discover all of these new interests and and have all of these new goals and things like that. And they're just going to be on different wavelengths. So I agree mm-hmm. with you. I don't think they last in five years, but I do think that I could see them like summer buddies throughout college. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Thanksgiving fling the night yeah. before Thanksgiving. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right, Mercedes, who is your heartthrob of this movie? Who would you take home to meet to meet your friends and your family? Kendra, obviously Patrick Verona. Obviously. Like, obviously. <laughs> he is just the perfect man. The way he like looks at her and the way he treats her and just like the time he takes to invest in her. And like he's so funny too. And like, oh my God, the chain he wears. Amazing. <laughs> and also when he's running his fingers through that fire to the through the flame on the Bunsen burner. Oh my God. Oh Wait. my God. Hottest, hottest clip. You're just, so just like funny. Casually <laughs> with the fire. <laughs> that 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 does it for me. <laughs> You're so funny. And by Patrick, you mean Cameron, right? Because Cameron is the actual heartthrob of this movie. <laughs> I knew you were going to do this. I knew. She is a JGL stan, everybody. It I is. I, do I would get his initials tattooed over my heart if I could. Whoa. If I could, I would. Because I just think, so I actually met Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Story time. I met Joseph Gordon-Levitt <laughs> because when he was really into his project hit record, he had uh, a thing out here in L.A. where he wanted everyone to dress up as like a fantasy type character and everyone was just filming all at the same time. And I was standing right next to him. He's not that tall. Uh, but yeah. <laughs> standing right next to him. Yeah. And he was filming and he smells so good and he was so nice to everyone. And it was so cool how he was just like, we were all just creating something in the space. Like none of us knew what we were doing, but it was a really cool experience. And that was how like, it, it's JGL forever and always, forever and always JGL. And so Cameron is my heartthrob, but also too, like, I just want him to look at me the way that he looks at Bianca. Mm-hmm. And I feel like my friends would really like, because he just seems like such a nice guy. And like, he he's actually willing to try. And for me, I need a guy who's going to be willing to try for me because I'm always the one putting in the effort. I'm always the one going out of my way and trying to be that person that's like endearing and impressive and everything. And I've never been pursued like that. And so I just feel like Cameron is the type of guy who would pursue me and like make an effort. And I just, I love that about him. <laughs> yeah, he really courts her. And yeah. like I love like how you can hear the nervousness and insecurity in his voice when he's asking her out. And like there's a certain way that Joseph Gordon Levitt enunciates things. It's just like his infliction when he talks and he, where he's like French food. Like the way he says it is just so <laughs> sweet. And you're listening and you're like, oh my gosh, this is the kindest boy ever. Ever. <laughs> I know. You just you look at him, you're like, you were raised well. I could just mm-hmm. I could just tell you were raised well. And also too, like you always hear that he's one of the nicest people in Hollywood. Like, he's, you know, he's great yeah. to work with. He's professional. He's on time. Like, all of this stuff. And so 
I really like him for that too. But oh, okay. Now we <laughs> sorry, I'm getting I'm getting worked up here talking about JGL. She loves, she loves women love. <laughs> All right, we're gonna play Mary Smooch Goes. We have Cameron, Patrick, and Joey. Who would you marry? Who would you smooch? And who would you ghost? Okay, well, we all know who Kendra's marrying. I, <laughs> I'm marrying Patrick. Yeah. Uh, of course. And then I just smooched Cameron, and I'm ghosting Joey because he's a jerk. Oh, he's <laughs> such a jerk. He's yeah, like... he's the worst. I, did you ever know those kids in, in high school who just, their parents just threw money at them and never actually bothered to actually parent them, and so they turned out... Sadly, to really yes. Yep. Yes. And I knew way too many. <laughs> yep. It's just so sad to see how they turned out because they never got better. Yeah. They don't see it. It's the lack of self-awareness, you know? It's yep. like him practicing his model poses at the dance, at the party. It's like, <laughs> nobody cares. Nobody cares. But he thinks everyone cares. Yeah. Oh, he thinks God. he's such a, the world revolves around him. Um, yeah. So you already know that I'm married Cameron, like the second that he gets on one knee, I'm just bawling my eyes out and saying yes. <laughs> I'll smooch Patrick because Heath Ledger, man. I mean, you can't beat that. And then, yeah, yeah. ghost, oh. ghosting Joey. He's he, not my type. Of, although he is very cute and he aged very well. The actor, Andrew Keegan, aged very well. He still looks very cute. <laughs> he's like a 90s teen icon in his own right. Like he was mm. in a ton of those movies. Yeah. And it's funny too because I, I don't know. I feel like if I saw him in more stuff, then I'd be like, oh, yeah, that's you're you're this person from this person. I will tell you, though, Mercedes, if we're talking about 90s icons, this is like this is the hill I'm willing to die on every single time. The ultimate 90s heartthrob was not like Brad Pitt or Ashley or anyone. It was Breckenmeyer. It was 110 percent Breckenmeyer. And I always tell people that people sleep on him as a 90s icon. He was yeah. it. <laughs> Oh my gosh! Hot take. I love hot Kendra's. Take. <laughs> Kendra's hot takes. Man, they I'm take so us. passionate about them too. I'm like, I will die. I will fall on my sword for this. <laughs> it is. It is a very surprising take. I can't wait till we do Clueless. We I know. I that. I know. Or or even like can't hardly wait. Like we. Oh have my to god! Yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. So many. So many good ones to come. So many good ones. Okay, guys, before we wrap it up, we always like to bring in a pop culture moment. And so I was doing some research and I saw that my love JGL is actually set to play Johnny Carson in a new biopic. Did you see that? Oh, my gosh. No, that makes me so excited. I recent in the last few months, I watched the late night docuseries on HBO. Oh. Everyone go watch the Johnny Carson episode. The whole time I was like, this man has so many Scorpio vibes. I looked up his whole astro <laughs> astrology chart. He has like six Scorpios, <laughs> Scorpio things, Scorpio placements. I was like, I knew it. I knew it. I yeah. So now I like love Johnny Carson. <laughs> I'm gonna have to go watch it. I will. I will do that. <laughs> yes. I don't know if you saw singer Maggie Rogers has a new song and she tweeted that she wanted to write something really hopeful that could play at the end credits of like a rom com. Mm. And she was actually inspired by watching 10 Things I Hate About You on the plane. Aww. And we were just talking about plane movies recently and like how mm. those impact us so much. And I could just like picture it. I was like, yeah, I would totally have to write a song after watching this on a plane. Yeah. <laughs> Rom-coms hit different when you're 30,000 feet in the air. They really do. It's true. Oh, my gosh. Your heart is in a different place. You're like, yeah. oh, what if I never? You're just like, I'm in the air. Your head's already clouds. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, and then something amazing about this movie is that there are fan edits that go viral still to this day. And wow. like if you search it on TikTok, thousands come up that are viral. And if you search on really any social platform, and I think that says so much because this is over 20 years old. Mm -hmm. A lot of the people on these apps, on TikTok especially, like, 
were born a decade or so after this movie came out. And mm-hmm. it is so cool to see that these characters have just stood the test of time and are going to continue to do that. And they're just that iconic. And like the yeah. story, the characters, the humor are just so unmatched. So that's mm-hmm. my little love spiel about it. I love it. I absolutely love it. I'm going to go on TikTok right after we get off. <laughs> go look yes. at his See if I can find any of Cameron. <laughs> oh my God, you die. I saw so many. I was like, yes. I The whole thing, it was just like Cameron and Heath Ledger fan cams. I was like, that's oh. it for me. Yeah, yeah. And then I get all, then I get in my feels about Heath Ledger again. And then I'm like, yeah. okay. <laughs> but listeners, we want to know what you guys think. How do you feel about 10 Things I Hate About You? Have you ever made a list about 10 Things You Don't Like About Someone? Who is your heartthrob in this movie? Is it Cameron? Is it Patrick? What do you think about Kat? Slide into our DMs at MeetCute. Again, I'm Kendra. You can find me on Instagram and TikTok at Hollywood. Yes, and I've been Mercedes. You can find me at MercedesGB11 on IG, TikTok, and Twitter. And if you're looking for new rom-coms, follow MeetCute wherever you listen to podcasts and follow MeetCute on socials everywhere. Bye, everyone. We'll see you next week. Bye.